0: Welcome to the
1: Intelligent Document Processing Podcast, uh, another episode. Um, my name is Anna I'm the founder and CEO of PowerShift. I have today with me um, somebody who has a, a yeah, big piece of experience. Uh, welcome, Christoph Mockney. Um, I'm really excited to have you here. Maybe you can introduce yourself. Um, so what's your background and you know, what's your take on digital transformation?
0: Okay. Hello, Alain. It's nice to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So my name is Alain Christophe Maknyi. I'm working for the Basler Cantonal Bank in Basel. I'm in charge of uh, process management, process improvement, process automation. So everything around process is my world and we are trying to get better every day. And that's my my day job. Next to that, I'm coordinating some AI activities uh, for the Cantonal Banks of Switzerland and I'm helping the association of uh, cantonal banks grow in ai by organizing some meetings for all cantonal banks every other uh, quarter we meet online on zoom and we exchange ideas about ai and next to that i'm a lecturer at the university of applied science in northwest switzerland so not too far away from here where i teach process improvement process innovation and some leadership classes i love teaching so that that's uh, what i enjoy doing and i have a son 10 year old Who's fantastic and yeah, that's my life summary in a few. Very
1: cool. Um, now, uh, banks um, have not been sort of renowned for being very in, in, in innovative um, when it comes to digital transformation, so that been sort of seen as a bit of laggards, maybe. Um, um, and and recently, I have the feeling this changed. How how do you see banks and the and the, and the banking sector? Um, uh, in, in digital transformation we're, we're, how, how is your what is your experience with this sort of
0: development so you know as you know we all had a, a time of covid where all the habits of people change people are working from home and they are consuming from home they're ordering from home and banks need to adapt by providing online services and really helping customers um, reaching the goals reaching their financial goals and banks need to adapt and the competition is huge. If you have a look at uh, digital online banks in um, every country, you have some, some, some good examples of neo banks. We have one at Banque claire which is ZAC, which is 100% online. And people like that. And um, I'm teaching a class for my students where I ask them, what's your favorite bank every semester? Mm. Um, the most favorite banks for my students is not a bank. It's Revolut, which is a neo neobank from, from the UK, which is basically a startup. And that's the favorite bank in Europe for all young people and you get for free all traditional services which you would need to pay for a traditional bank so as a traditional bank either you adapt and you offer value and you continue offering cool products and cool value or on the long time business will be very difficult so I think banks are transforming themselves right now they are working on that actively and it's really a super interesting to be part of this transformation which is happening now.
1: Would would you say that this is sort of happening with with all the banks now or are they still like, so like 50% of banks are thinking, okay, this is the future and we need to adapt or?
0: um. I think that it's a topic for all banks, but not all of them are investing the same effort Mm -hmm. to do that. But it's definitely on the agenda of all of them because, you know, you need to be more efficient. If you need to save costs, you need to increase efficiency which means increasing automation, innovation, and all these kind of topics. And that's, that's not a choice. You know, survival is not an option. You have to work on your uh, long-term success. So it's a topic for all of them. Not all of them are reacting as fast, but, you know, let's be optimistic because we still need a strong banking system in Switzerland in Absolutely. the future. So banks need to adapt. Right. And, and, and I'm happy to be part of this uh, movement. And I'm, I'm a big fan of agility and making things you know going faster and smoother and, and and deploying automation to improve the services to the customers. So I see that happening now, but I still expect more um a more drive to come in the future.
1: All right. Um yeah talking about the the, the need for for innovation and creating new 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 offers, um I, I was amazed how fast SAC was was built and and um maybe you can share a bit um, I'm I'm a I'm I'm a SAC customer, I need to need to confess. Um uh, I, I think it's really really great. Um so yeah.
0: So so let, let's talk about the method a little bit. So I'm I'm not part of the SAC team, so, so I will not um talk too much about the SAC development mm-hmm. process, but mm-hmm. basically it's all based on agile development process, mm-hmm. co-creating features with end users. So um you know, we have some some customer circles where we discuss with customers, what kind of features do they expect from the product? And then we develop that based on what they want. So product management is evolving from a traditional product management into a lean product management where we involve customers, customers give feedbacks, and we develop what they want in sprints, which is traditional agility, and this is working fine. So now the challenge is really how to create value, how to deliver value for customers and how to have a valid business model, you know, to make it profitable on the long-term. Yeah. So it's easy to go online, it costs money, you can go online, but you need to create value yeah. for customers, yeah. and customers need to pay for that value, so yeah. that it's good for both. Yeah. Otherwise, they lose money on the long-term, so uh, it's a tricky business. But it's fantastic to be able to deliver rapidly, and this agility is here to stay, and this digital transformation is the future. Mm. So you need to increase the speed and the value because customer requirements are changing. Customers get everything for free on the internet immediately. So they raise the bar on what they can get from their banks.
1: Yeah, I've been, I've been doing some, some digital yeah, transformational strategy consulting in the past for, for, for large corporations. And there was always this narrative that, oh, well, we're, we're sort of launching a speedboat offering um, in, in order to learn from that and sort of recuperate or, or back backward implement things into the core tr- or the core uh, slash traditional offering, yeah. is that a thought that's also behind be, behind uh, SOC or?
0: Okay, so there are different approach in the innovation process. What you are describing is one approach that we did, but we are diff- doing different ways. Mm-hmm. One other way is trying to get ideas from the employees themselves because each employee is a customer of the bank and each one knows about the Mm. business and reads the papers and gets some ideas. So one way is to gather ideas from all of them and to organize some design challenges where you bring people together and you try to filter out the best ideas. Another idea is to work with partners and be sure that we we deliver something new Mm. based on partnership. Um, Another idea would be to uh, get inspired by what happened in other countries and develop something similar here. That was the idea originally of Mm -hmm. TAC. So there are different ways of being innovative. My focus is trying to be innovative and mix that with efficiency because innovation can cost lots of money. If you want to test hundreds of ideas, you need to put lots of money on the table. Maybe only one idea would be good. So if you're not efficient in delivering this idea, the whole innovation topic will be too expensive. Mm -hmm. So my focus is on trying to develop both both muscles, innovation and efficiency, Mm -hmm. And that's where automation comes into the play when you want to increase your efficiency. Yes, they're sort of like interlinked, tightly interlinked. Yeah, two, yeah. Together. Like, so like two arms. Yeah, you so need to muscle up. Yeah, two, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I remember this saying sort of, um, re- real innovation is shown in the p over time.
0: Yes, <laughs> so that's a very <laughs> pragmatic approach to innovation, but let's say... You need to be good at both Mm -hmm. if you want to be successful long-term. And for that, you need to have some kind of method in place and having the right mindset. Because at the end of the day, it's all about experimenting. And when you find something good, you need to be able to scale and Mm -hmm. make it efficient. And that's where we are developing uh, some automation projects and delivering hyper-automation, which is a mix of automation and AI capabilities. Mm -hmm. And I see in the future more and more topics around that. So, for example... Uh, we are processing documents in a digital way. So in the past, we had some traditional physical paper and now we brought that with our techno- technological partners onto the digital level, which helps us extracting data automatically out of the documents, being faster, offering a better customer service. That's the kind of example which I see now happening in our bank and in, in, in our other colleague banks. And I think in the future, we'll go d- directly in these kind of digital scenarios where customers will not send us as much paper, but we'll be able to do the change that they want on their e-banking app, you mm-hmm. know, per click, mm-hmm. instead of wasting some time, you know, printing out papers, sending that.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's actually um, very surprising that there's still so much paper involved when it yeah, comes to yeah. changing, yeah. like, core data or access and things and, and, and that. Um, and on the other hand, I feel like it it's it's also surprising that so many clients are are sort of annoyed by just filling out the form because i mean uh, yeah it's it's not nice but it's yeah. not like the end of the world you know yeah um as a as a as a vendor basically if, if i would be a, a bank bank person um i i would think it would be a good idea to annoy people as as rarely as possible so why is there so much paper processes involved? Um, I always get the explanation where, you know, there's regulations and we can't bypass them. And there's like, and if and if, if we look deeper into that, um, and, you know, I'm somebody who actually loves paper because that's our business, partially. Yeah. Um, I, 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 the, the deeper I look into those kind of things, I, I see there there's not really the regulations um, that are, in the way. It's more like sort of a behavior or a culture that's maybe... um, You talk about improving efficiency, improving processes.
0: Where do you start? Okay. so, So we have different approaches here. So let's go into all your points. You said a lot of good points. The first point is paper is something people are used to print, to produce, to send. And actually you have in every company an output management system which prints out automatically. And people are used to sign up letters. The trend is for the last years to do some pre-scanning. You scan the document and then you process digitally. But often at the end of the process, you print again a document, you send it back to the customer. And that's nonsense. So we started the journey by digitalizing our incoming physical mail, which means, you know, uh, instead of having a post scanning of our documents in our processes, we do a pre-scanning. So we brought the physical mail into the digital space and then we came in by analyzing the business processes and challenging the paper. So this is where we define some design principles. So when we redesign a business process, we have six business, uh, design principles. The number six is no paper. It's called no paper mm. because every piece of paper is a waste of time, a waste of resource, a waste of money. You know, so there's, there's too much paper wasted everywhere. So no paper is doable if you challenge the process, if you challenge the mindset, if you challenge the technology, because at the end of the day, you almost never really need paper. All you need is the data or the signature. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. only need both elements. Mm-hmm. And you have a legal framework where you, you can say, let's have a qualified signature, which is exactly equivalent to a physical signature. And actually you don't need the physical support anymore of the paper. What you need is the data which is within the paper. And that's what we are trying to do. No paper. Let's find a way to get the data without using the physical support of the paper. Mm -hmm. For some documents it works, for others it doesn't work now. It will work maybe in the future. One aspect is trying to get the data from data providers. In Switzerland there are specialist data providers which, which give you access to some good data. So all you need to do is being transparent with your customer and offering them the choice. Either you send me this specific Mm. form or you allow me to organize the data with an external provider. That's your choice. Mm. What's your preference for you? And sometimes the customer will be very happy to say, do that for you because I have no time to organize this piece of paper so that you can have a paperless process, which is better for you because you can process this automatically and better for the end customer. Let me give you one uh, example from an insurance company, uh, which is part of the finance world anyway. Uh, that's a private example from my mother who was uh, who's old and who was sick a few months ago, and she has a life insurance, like, like almost everybody, and from a large company in Switzerland, and she got the uh, notification a few months ago, happy birthday now that you are 80 years old, please send us each year a physical confirmation that you are alive, which means you need to sign the form Mm -hmm. and bring the form to the post office to be sure that it's your signature. Hey, happy birthday, you're 80. Now we want to be sure that you leave because if you don't leave, you know, that's the end of the contract. So you can imagine the shock that she had when you are old, sick, you know, you you don't feel well and you need to do some paperwork. Yeah, That's insane. So for all this kind of process... That's a waste of paper, a waste of time, a waste of money. And in Switzerland, you have access to data. You know where people live, you know when people die yeah. or where, yeah. when company gets bankrupt. That's all data that you can get. So let's stop annoying customer and, and, and try to digitalize the whole movement and make the life better for all of people who have other problems to care. Mm-hmm. You know, there are enough mm-hmm. problems with COVID, some, Companies are suffering. Some people are suffering. Absolutely. This is where we, we we should put the focus. Yeah.
1: So so what you're saying is basically you're you're sort of um, uh, required the right to delegate um, in in information capture from official sources um, when so, it's possible. Yeah, when, when, it's, when possible. it's possible. Sure, of course. Sure, sure. Yeah.
0: And still at the end of the day, you will have some paper left. Yeah. For example, legal authorities tend to like printing out documents and sending requests in a physical form. And for that, you need to have a system like the system available on the market where you can extract the data automatically. Here, I expect some um, improvements in the future by having these kind of systems like yours offering out of the box all the traditional Swiss or European documents Mm -hmm. which are pre-trained which means a small bank or a small insurance company starting the digitalization journey now could buy the system and directly read out uh, identification card or social number or, or whatever official document out of the box yeah. and then work on using this data and leveraging this data to offer better solutions to the customer.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's this upswing of intelligent document processing that we're, we're seeing and, and I think we're, we're in the middle of it here. Um, how how do you see this um regarding that the in a broader sense um looking at digital transformation what is sort of the um standpoint of of idp um how how important is that for you as somebody who is who is very actively um doing the transformation B-
0: IDP is very important and is here to stay as long as we have some paper left, which means for the coming years anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's central because everything which is purely digital, you can go for automation, robotic, whatever you want. As soon as you have some paper involved, you first need to transform the paper into digital data. And this is where IDP come into play. And this is still playing a very important role because of heavily paper-based processes still here, yeah. Still here yeah. for the next years. If yeah. you want to buy a house, yeah. you'll see that you need to provide X documents yeah. to your bank. Yeah. And this is a typical case that we did with IDP by extracting the classical Swiss documents mm. after scanning, you know, classifying, extracting data. And here we, we gained some experience on how to best process documents automatically. Mm. And there are a few things. If I give one example, you need to define the policy when you read out a document what happens if what you read is not valid? If there's a mistake? Yeah. What are you allowed to write in your system or not? So this is something where we learned the policy that we defined is we only read out documents where the system says that it has a high confidence level. So if it's above 59, um, uh, 95%, sorry, 95%, then we take the value. Mm. We put some business rules in place to be sure that a birth date is a birth mm. date and the Number is a number and an address is an address. And we write this kind of information in our system only if the fields in the systems are empty. We do not overwrite yeah. data. Yeah. Right. And then we put some visual signs in place for the end user. Yeah. Uh, be careful, this field has been you know populated automatically with a sign. Yeah. If it's wrong, please notify that so that the system improves in production. Yeah. So this is our governance model, which we did. That way we, we are on the safe road which means by never overwriting anything, the end user yeah. is the master of the data and the system only helps populating data which are missing. So it's a good combination of human and machine. And I think yeah. this augmented possibility of the system is something that we like so that we don't need to enter everything manually in the system. Yeah,
1: yeah this I mean, this human in the loop or human-machine interaction thing, It's I, I think it's heavily underrated. Um, do, do you see... Um, other areas, um, other than a IDP, basically, where a human in the loop can, can play, like, an, uh, an important role?
0: Yeah, I think there are different mindsets here regarding AI. If we, if we open up to AI and some AI guys want to completely automate the process and remove the human aspect of the process, other, which I'm part from, say, let's augment the capabilities of the human by having systems mm-hmm. doing the, mm-hmm. you know, the repetitive work. That's this this human, human touch. And I see a lot of potential everywhere, basically in any business. Because if if we leave banking to go to, to the hospital, for example, which I know uh, quite well. Well, if you have children and you bring them to the children's hospital here in the region, well, you will have to give you data several times to several persons. And each person will enter the data in a different system. And that's all really wasteful and you could have, you know, systems integrated and having some IDP process in place where the doctor only focuses on your health, Mm. your health of your children, and not on administrative data. Mm. You know, when you go to a doctor, usually 80% of the process is really waiting or or putting administrative data in the system. Um, This is the case for IDP to bring back the humanity to to the value creation process and the discussion between you and the doctor, and not between the doctor and the computer. You yeah. know? So this has a yeah. huge potential for the world.
1: Talking of AI um, in in banking, um, like in in a uh, in, in a score from one to ten, um, where are banks in Switzerland today applying AI? Um, m- more broadly, not not like yeah, yeah, restricted yeah. to IDPs. Yeah.
0: So there are classical scenarios which are already implemented within most of the banks, like IDP and so on. Data analytics is growing very, very big. Sentiments analysis is a typical stuff. You have RPA pretty much everywhere, chatbots. So let's say that for the basic AI capabilities, most of the big banks and medium sized banks are already good, but they haven't gone so far to leverage other capabilities like like deep learning. So I would say, Big banks are very good, medium-sized banks are learning and they are already deploying good scenarios. Mm-hmm. Small banks are thinking about starting.
1: All right. So basically it starts with just buying a product that uses AI and has so AI All components right. in there. And like the King's League would be um, having your own data science and AI team.
0: Yes, exactly. So you usually start with automation or data analytics. Mm-hmm. That's the two way to start. Working on your customer data, obviously, and making the best out of that, or introducing RPA workflows and then trying to do more based on that, going to IDP, that's a traditional way to start. And then you mix using chatbot, and then you try to have a chatbot which understands a bit more and which is more adaptive. Um, Analyzing customer complaints, for example, sentiment analysis, or analyzing financial market data. And then if you, you know, if you have some more skills, you can go into advanced data analytics, dynamic pricing or algo trading. But this is really something for only the big players in Switzerland. Small banks are actually right now learning and not really delivering, but it's going to come oh. because the competitors are doing that.
1: Okay. Very interesting. So one, one maybe last question. What is
0: the future of banks? Uh,
1: <laughs> so, I know that's a very easy question yeah For very easy ethics. so
0: <laughs> predicting the future is, is, is uh, quite tricky as you know um, if I remember working with risk managers we had years ago um, in another company standard list of risks and the pandemic was not even a risk on a standard risk of this. so nobody predicted the pandemic so it's impossible to predict the future I hope that banks will adapt to the new world, mm. you know, to, to the to the new way of working, to the new customer requirements and offering great services by leveraging partnerships with other companies, with insurance companies and so on. And by digitalizing their offering more so that people don't need to go to a bank anymore because they can get all the services from their iPad in their bed and then they don't even need to go to visit a banker. I think the trend will will be here to stay. I think the future will be for the society any, any way more digital than today. So mm-hmm. digitalization is here to stay. Data protection is a very important topic. Due to GDPR, um, lots of companies had to really think about data governance and data quality, yeah. which is very good. Yeah. And I think the third topic, which is gaining traction in the AI banking space is the bias and ethical topic. I think that due to the past data, which uh, are not super good, which mm-hmm. are biased and, and, and not super good, um, this field of AI ethics will grow, and as the law will come on the European level, I think that we'll see a change in the mindset where more AI systems will be developed in production and put into production, but with more constraints, yeah. and hopefully this will lead to a better AI into yeah. society. So I think a digital world for the future, digital banks combined with data protection and uh, uh, ethical aspects, I think that's, that's where the world is going for the next years but predictions are pretty much impossible to to do. So that's only my bet on that. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see.
1: Very good. Thank you very much. Super interesting. Um, Was a pleasure to have you here. Um, Looking forward to hearing from you in other occasions. Thank
0: Thank you. Thank you, Ala. It was my pleasure.